0: to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad and we are gathering you in Yahweh willing this Shabbat. We're in Torah portion Balak. Yes I'm on the funny cam again so be patient with us as we upgrade our technology here and we'll be back with you live on the new technology as soon as we get it sorted out. Give me a um, Oh, I get a, an echo here. Am I live? I think so. Can Give me some thumbs up. Tell me if you've got good audio. I can see you in the live chat here. Loud and clear, Chris Warnicky, Shabbat Shalom, Chris Warnicky. Yes, it looks like I'm good to go. Splendid. Okay, brethren, greetings. Again, we're going to head right to our Torah portion in Numbers Bar Midbar Chapter 22 today, Numbers chapter 22, and I'll give you the overview of the Torah portion this week. Of course, in chapter 22, what you have is Balak sends for Balaam, and we have the four prophecies of Balaam that are spoken forth in this week's Torah portion. What I want to specifically address, because I do believe that we are this generation that is experiencing part of these multi-filled prophecies that were spoken, yes, in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, right here prophesied by Balaam, also spoken by Micah the prophet, spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, and came to a fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2 but also would be fulfilled in the final generation. Because this is prophecy. These are the oracles or the prophecies oracles, if you will, of Balaam. Now, Balaam was a prophet for hire. Balaam was a prophet for hire. Major distractions going on in here. Major distractions, okay? Levi, Nolan. Okay, all right. Got to stay focused. Thank you, brethren. It's uh, a little bit more difficult doing it in this format than with the te- technology. So, you know, be patient with me, please. Uh, it's a, a little harder for me to be able to communicate and teach like this, especially when I don't have any ear earphones in. So I hear all the noise in studio and around. So bear with me. I'm talking about the oracles of Balaam. And how I believe that this is a multi-level prophecy that will affect us in this last days. Because brethren, we've just seen in the past two weeks and we've seen in our nation now that there is, I believe, a a planned dissension over children. Not only with the ruling of the Supreme Court, but I think you all know that they are bringing out another load to be distributed into the bodies of young children specifically. What has this got to do with Balaam at all, you may ask? It's got everything to do with Rachel weeping for her children. It has everything to do with Rachel weeping for her children. In the prophecies of Jeremiah, in chapter 31, verse 15, talking about the mercy on Ephraim, it's written, Thus says Yahweh, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, for her children, because they are no more. This prophecy came into its fulfillment in one level. It is an oracle of Balaam that came into its fulfillment in the times of Yahushua at the massacre of what's called the Massacre of the Innocents. But in the end times, there's going to be another exodus, an exodus out of Babylon or out of egypt again for that to happen there will also be rachel weeping for her children i believe we are in that time we're seeing it now with the introduction of certain medicines that are being targeted for small children and the ramifications of that we're also seeing now the uproar over the supreme court ruling and the violence that that is about to bring about, too. Because ultimately, this is the oracles of Balaam that are being brought forward into the lives of the last generation. And that's what I want to talk about today. In verse 16, it says, Refrain your voice from weeping, and your eyes from tears. Jeremiah 31, verse 16 for your work shall be rewarded says yahuwah and they shall come back from the land of the enemy there is hope in your future says yahuwah that your children shall come back to their own border that is leaving mystery babylon and going back into the land so without further ado numbers chapter 22 i'm going to read to you and you can follow along with me the four oracles of Balaam. Of course, Balak sends for Balaam, and then we get the incident in verse 22 of chapter 22 of Balaam and the donkey and the malach. And I've taught on that before, so I won't go into that. I'm going to go into the first oracle or prophecy. In chapter 23, verse 7, it is written, Balaam, the king of... Of Moab has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom Yahuwah has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom Yahuwah has not denounced? And from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There are people dwelling alone, meaning they're set apart, they're set apart because of their lifestyle in Torah, not reckoning itself among the nations. They believe that they're distinctly different. They're not being syncretized into the nations. That is a key trait of the remnant. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. And this is something that our modern world doesn't understand. You've got to live the life of the righteous before you can die the death of the righteous. You can't live a wicked life and expect to die the death of the righteous because you will reap what you sow. And let my end be like this. This is the first prophecy. The second one, is written in verse 18 and this is what balaam now speaks rise up balak and hear listen to me you son of zippor and this is a i'll read this to you in in the hebrew the next phrase lo ish el lo ish el or elohim is not mortal depending on your translations some of the anti-missionaries would translate this as "God is not a man," and then use this to try and dissuade people in believing that Yehusha is the Messiah. That's an anti-missionary tactic. But in the Hebrew, it's Lo Ishel. It's Elohim is not a mortal. You see, this isn't um, an issue of the composition of Elohim, but the character of Elohim as the true fulfiller of promises. So they skew the prophecy, whereas really this is talking about lo ish el, that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent, as he has said and he will not do, or has he has spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Yaakov, Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. Yahuwah, his Elohim, is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Elohim brings them out of Egypt. He has the strength like a wild ox, for there is no sorcery against Jacob. So in the end times, Yaakov, the descendants of Jacob are not going to be bewitched by sorcery and pharmakia which will be targeted at the children because the end time prophecy again is that Rachel will be weeping for the children before the coming of Mashiach just as Rachel wept for her children at the first coming of Mashiach. This is a multi-level prophecy, and I believe we're seeing it fulfilled in our hearing. And it goes on to say in verse 23, there will be no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what Elohim has done. Look. A people, they rise like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. So that's the second oracle. Now let's look at the third oracle. The utterance of Balaam, verse 3 of chapter 24. The son of Beor. The utterance of the man whose eyes are open. The utterance of him who hears the words of Elohim, who sees the vision of the Almighty, he can see prophetically into the prophetic future. He was a legitimate prophet, but he was a prophet for hire. But he couldn't move Israel into the cursing, because this is true. Whether... The gold and silver got taken in 1933 because this is what it's talking about. You can give me all the gold, you can give me all the silver, Balaam says, but I cannot move Israel into cursing if they are truly blessed. Even if you give me all the gold and silver, you are going to have to compel them to move themselves. Since 1933, all of the gold and silver has been taken. It's the the great new deal, FDR's great new deal. No matter what, nobody can make you do anything. They can't curse you. They have to compel you to curse yourself. They have to compel you to perform under their witchcraft so that you'll be cursed. Does that make sense? And that's exactly what we're seeing in this last time. Is Balaam's sorcery is being used in these last days to try and move you out of the blessing and the status of your kingdom heritage and citizenship in heaven and trying to compel you to come under A cursed citizenship so that you can be cursed. It's called compel performance. And this is what you see in the truth of the oracles of Balaam. Let me continue on. In his third prophecy, it says in verse 4 of chapter 28, for, um, for his third prophecy, the utterance of him who hears the words of Elohim, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. Now, this is the liturgy that is used every Shabbat in the synagogues around the world when you bring out the Torah. The very liturgy of bringing out the Torah is used in the synagogues every day. And they are the words of Balaam. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. The testimony of an enemy or the testimony of your friend? Hmm. Very interesting. Like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by Yahuwah, like cedars beside the waters pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Elohim brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. Now we're going to see more of this in the prophecies of Matthew chapter 2, because who would Elohim bring out of Egypt? Who would Yahweh bring out of Egypt. Just as he brought Joseph out of Egypt, descendants of Joseph if you will, he would bring out another descendant of Joseph, in fact his son, the Mashiach, out of Egypt, but he's also going to bring the descendants of Messiah through the engrafting out of Egypt at the last exodus or as Jeremiah calls it, in even greater exodus from the nations. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 8, Elohim brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down. He lies down like a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Now we go on to Balaam's final oracle, his fourth prophecy in verse 15. The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are open. Are your eyes open? Mine are wide open to what is going on in this final generation. Rachel weeping for her children. The utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of Elohim and has knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. That's talking about Matthew chapter 2, the prophecy of the coming Mashiach. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but he's not near. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, he's not near. It's a coming prophecy that the oracle Balaam sees. A star shall come out of Yaakov. But it's not right now, because it's going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, I believe that you'll see that star, come out of Jacob. In fact, one of the first century rabbis, Rabbi Akiva, he prophesied about this over Simon Bar-Kosbar and said that he was the Mashiach, the son of the star. So remember this. When traditional Judaism doesn't understand your belief in Yehusha as Mashiach, they've proclaimed more false messiahs than any other religious people on the earth. They've proclaimed more false messiahs, and of course, Rabbi Akiva proclaimed Shimon Bar Koshbar as the son of the star, the false messiah in the first century based upon this prophecy, a misreading of it. And then it goes on to say, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That's, of course, referencing Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. And batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Batter the brow? That's, of course, talking about the Genesis 3.15 prophecy. He shall bruise your heel, but you're going to batter his brow. Crush Satan's head, right? This, of course, is spoken of by the prophet Micah in chapter 5, specifically the second verse. It's going to be coming up in the sixth verse of Matthew chapter 2. This is really an oracle by a true prophet, but a prophet for hire. Who tries to move you and I out of being blessed by compelling us to perform for Egypt, Beor, or Mystery Babylon. And ultimately, the ones that are compelled to perform will end up bringing forth children that are going to be destroyed either by the ruling and the outcome of it or the ramifications of pharmacia, Rachel is weeping for her children. Because we're going to see that this is all established back in a pharmacy with pharmaceuticals and of course the poison potion that was peddled throughout Egypt and is now being peddled through Mystery Babylon in this final generation. Let me finish the fourth prophecy in verse 18. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemy, shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Then he looked on Amalek, and he took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. What was the trait of Amalek? Amalek picked off the elderly and the children. Is that happening in this final generation? Are the elderly and the children being systematically picked off by a son of Balaam? Because who were Balaam's children? And that will give you the answer to why Rachel is weeping for her children. Then we see in verse 21. Then he looked on the Kenites and he took up his oracle and said... Firm is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned. How long until Ashur carries you away captive? Then he took up his oracle and said, Alas, who shall live when Elohim does this? But ships shall come from the coasts of Cyprus, and they shall afflict Ashur and afflict Eber, and so shall Amalek until he perishes. And that is the end of Balaam's oracles. That is the end of Balaam's oracles. So Balaam, his four oracles, he was a heathen sorcerer, but he was a true prophet. He was a perverter of Israel. But he had learned elements of pure true religion in his home in Mesopotamia now in chapter 22 and you look at verse 8 you see that the prophet expects to receive divine communication in a dream or a vision of the night he's a man that's living outside the Assembly of Israel And we saw in the times of Yahushua that there were certain men that came down from Judea that stood on the outskirts of the assembly looking in. The Pharisees and the Sadducees that sought to entrap and ensnare the Messiah. Because Balaam and his descendants have always sought the offspring. That would come from Judah. In verse six of chapter twenty-two, we see that Balaam was hired to curse Israel. He was motivated by money. There has been so many billions and billions of dollars that have gone to certain companies who have been peddling certain things that are destroying. The children as Rachel weeps for her children hired to curse and motivated by money in chapter 22 verse 12 we see that Balaam rejects the commandments of Yahuwah rejects the commandments of Yahuwah and now if you want to turn in your scriptures put a finger in Matthew chapter 2 Put a finger in Micah chapter 5, Hosea 11, Jeremiah 31, because these scriptures are all connected with the oracles of the mad prophet. Now we know in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men come because they have seen what? Something that was mentioned in one of the oracles of Balaam the star the star in matthew chapter 2 the wise men come let me turn there as you turn there matthew chapter 2 the wise men come from the east because they have seen the star right and in Matthew chapter 2 specifically in verse 7 then Herod when he had privily called the wise men inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared so this has got something to do with the flight to Egypt and the killing of Rachel's children because in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 2 but when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of Yahweh appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Of course, this is talking about Mashiach's guardian, Joseph, but it's got the specific language that's used by Matthew to bring you into the thinking of another Joseph who was a dreamer of dreams because we're to go back to that narrative in the Torah to find more details. Because a dreamer called Joseph, you've got the connection to Joseph, the dreamer of dreams, and Jacob's children that went down into Egypt and then came up out of Egypt with the star and scepter prophecy of Balaam. This is huge. Because Matthew was communicating to his audience and in fact, the whole context of Matthew, the reading of the synagogue liturgy at this point would have been Torah Portion Balak. It was Torah Portion Balak that was being read at this time in the synagogue liturgy. How do we know that? Because the half Torah. The corresponding reading of the prophets appears historically, and we see that this gives us the timestamp of the Torah cycle. The connection is to Joseph, the dreamer of dreams, coming up out of Egypt. Not Joseph literally, but the descendants of Joseph, all 12 tribes coming up out of Egypt. And who are they met by? Amalek. Who are they met by? Balaam. What are they dealing with? Their children being slaughtered. And Rachel weeping for her children. Now in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 it is written, But thou Bethlehem Ephrath, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, That is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. This is all about the Balaam oracle. Now, in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, there's another layer. It is written, When Israel was a child, then I loved him, and called my son out of Egypt. This is talking about Matthew chapter 2. After Herod died, the angel of Yahuwah appeared to Joseph and Yahuwah called his son out of Egypt. These are the oracles of Balaam being spoken by the prophets coming into fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2 because there is an exodus with Joseph, the dreamer's descendants. There is going to be a greater exodus prophesied by Jeremiah in the 16th chapter in the last generation and the linking point of the first prophecy its fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2 and its fulfillment in the last generation is something is going to happen and it's called the massacre of the innocents. that's the key point that's the thread that Prophecy, I suggest to you that generation that is going to see the massacre of the innocents and Rachel weeping for her children before the return of Messiah Yahushua to save us from this absolute chaos that Mystery Babylon is trying to compel you to perform and move from blessing into cursing. They, you cannot be cursed because you have free will. They have to compel you to curse yourself by moving you into their system of witchcraft. Hosea 11, chapter 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And they called them, so they went from them They sacrificed unto Baalim and burned incense to graven images. Now, the prophet Jeremiah writes in the 31st chapter, in the 15th verse, Thus saith Yahuwah, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted for her children the accounts written in matthew chapter 2 recorded right there in that chapter happened during the synagogue reading of torah parsha balak and they are so amazing if you can thread the needle and see the tapestry from Tamar all the way through to Messiah. I always wondered in the accounts of Joseph the dreamer back in Genesis, why does the narrative break? And all of a sudden, Judah has left. It's inserted right there in the text, and you have the whole account of Judah and his sons, And Tamar, and it's just inserted right into the dream sequence of Joseph. And then you go after that account back into the dream sequence of Joseph. Why? I'm going to explain to you today because it's all part of this prophecy. Man, I'm just getting going. Are you still with me? Let me check you out in the chat. Are you still there or did you all leave because of this crazy... Live studio setup that I've got. I'm bouncing the blooming computer. Huh? I'm blurry. Very blurry. It's a streaming issue. It's pixelating. It's a streaming issue. If you go back and watch this later, there won't be any problem. I think it's just a a pixelation. So let's dive in because we're going to see that we live, brethren, in a time of magic and sorcery. (gasps) Magic, you use the word magic as in magi, as in wise men coming from the East, as in sorcery, And pharmakia, ha, because we are looking at Matthew chapter 2, who specifically the writer of the gospel is referencing the oracles of Balaam, specifically Balaam chapter 24 of Numbers and the 17th verse. And the hearers in the synagogue would have been very wise to knowing that he was referencing torah Portia, balak this first half of matthew chapter 2 was deliberately written i believe in such a way as to parallel our torah pasha this week the balaam prophecies are found within the text of matthew 2 micah 5 chapter 2 4 and 6 hosea chapter 11 verse 1 and verse 15 Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, at verse 18, and you see an allusion from the prophets that he will be called a what? Nazarene in verse 23. So the biblical story transforms Balaam in Jewish literature to like this larger-than-life super natural enemy of Israel first century Jews Balaam to them was this larger than life arch enemy the hunter of the descendants of Israel and you can see Paul references this to the Galatians he references this to the Galatians because Balaam through the oracles in the eyes of the Jews. He could have lived for hundreds of years because he tried to kill the baby ancestor of the Messiah. What do I mean? The context of the opening chapters of Matthew and some obscure verses in James are referring to the well-known tales of Balaam that the first century audience of the gospel writer Matthew knew very well about because he was called Laban Balaam could have been literally Laban or a kind of metaphorical forerunner to Laban what do I mean we know that Laban pursued the children of Rachel until they took refuge in Egypt. And later in the wilderness, Balaam attacked them again, and he was finally killed, after prophesying about the star and the scepter, which is all about the prophecies of Mashiach. Because this has got to do with trying to kill the Messiah, and then later his descendants. The word links the sorrow of Rachel with the coming of Messiah. You can see it in the biblical narrative. The word of Yahuwah links the sorrow of Rachel with the coming of Messiah, of which Matthew records and his audience was very familiar with. Why? Because Rachel was the target of Laban's anger. Was she not? Why? because she stole his household gods. She was his target. Now, according to Aramaic tradition, and it's written in the old Jewish Targums and early Jewish writings, Laban's grand plan is to kill the child ancestor of the Messiah. And it comes in the form of a dream where Yahweh tells Jacob to flee to Egypt in order to escape Laban, okay? The common threat which runs through the Balaam-Laban saga is the pursuit, not of Jacob, not of Jacob, but of his children and the one messianic child in particular as suggested by the use of the word seed in in chapter 46. You see, Balaam, Laban, this is what is being spoken of in the narrative of Matthew chapter 2. And the first readers of Matthew's gospel, they would have been extremely familiar with the saga of Balaam Laban and his pursuit of the child ancestor of Mashiach. Now, the Aramaic Targum version was recited in the synagogue after the Torah reading to help the community understand the week's Parsha reading. It's like, you know, if you were to read the book of Jasher, when you're reading through the text of Genesis, it's like an addition, a commentary on that portion of the text. Well, the Targums, they were commentary on the portions of the text in the Torah. So this is what the Targums, in the Aramaic Targums, they would speak of many of these Balaam Laban prophecies. Now, Mary, the mother of Mashiach, just like Rachel, was to give birth in Bethlehem of Ephraim, Matthew chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. And her child would be king of the Yahudim. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2 as Micah prophesied in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And he would be the Moshiach. Of course, this is all brought forth in Matthew chapter 2, but it was first prophesied back in Genesis, specifically the scepter in Genesis chapter 35. So the whole theme of the Messiah in Rachel's death is connected by the place names. Bethlehem of Eprath, and the Tower of the Flock, or Ebal. These are given a huge messianic significance, but you won't see it unless you read the book of Micah. Look at the origin of the ruler and the shepherd. Turn with me to Micah chapter 4. And Yahuwah will reign over them in Mount Zion. See if you can see the messianic prophecies because it's all in the place names. And Yahuwah will reign over them in Mount Zion from now and forever. Verse 8, And you, tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you he will come. Who will come? Well, Matthew chapter 2 explains who's coming. Now in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, you see, And you, Bethlehem Ephrath, there's the place name, who are least among the thousands of Judah, out of you will come to me one to become a ruler in Israel, and his coming is of old. It's been prophesied since the days of Balaam. Because Balaam said that he saw, but not now, in the future. And now it's coming from those times being brought forth. The very oracles of Balaam are being fulfilled in the hearing of the saints in Matthew chapter 2. Just as we are hearing the oracles of Balaam in these last days being brought forth. That's the connection. And it goes on to say, Therefore he will give them over till the time... The one giving birth has given birth and the rest of his brothers shall return to the sons of Israel and he shall pasture in the strength of Yahuwah. We know that Rachel was buried in Bethlehem. Yet Jacob pitched his tent nearby at the tower of the flock. And this is where Micah sees the Mashiach, Messiah Yahusha himself, coming from. Those are the place name connections. Now according to early Jewish writings, Judah had a dream in which he was told to flee to Egypt to escape Laban. I'm going to repeat that because this explains the break in the Joseph dreaming narrative in Genesis. The dreamer, Joseph the dreamer. And then, all of a sudden, in the midst of the narrative, what what chapter is it specifically? Let me let me go there just so I can. Uh... Bear with me here. Bear with me. It's chapter thirty eight. Genesis chapter 38, we have the break in the narrative. We've got Joseph dreaming, and then boom, all of a sudden, Genesis chapter 38, where did that come from? All of a sudden, we've got Judah and Tamar. Well, hang on a minute. It came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. He had a dream that he was told to flee Egypt to escape Laban. This is why there's the break in the dream sequence where the story of Judah and his family, it seems to abruptly come into the account of Joseph. But this is where his special child from Tamar, the your son, would be kept safe and that one day Yahweh would bring your son out of Egypt. This is spoken of in Matthew chapter 2 after Herod dies. Are you making the connections with me? I'm kind of going fast. See, Matthew records that Joseph, just like Judah, had a dream in which Yahweh told him to flee to Egypt. Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. As the equivalent is found in Genesis chapter 46 verse 2. There's the parallel. Thread the needle you're going to see the scarlet thread all the way through to the Messiah. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thy eyes. That's written in the text of Genesis chapter 46. What does that mean? And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. This is a messianic revelation of insight that is being shown here. But this isn't Joseph the dreamer. This is Moshiach ben Joseph is going to give you the visionary sight to be able to comprehend the prophecy. This is a visionary sight or revelation of insight. And Matthew highlights the inspiration behind this very scripture which links the mysterious wording of Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. So I'm just flipping through all of these texts and my mind is just buzzing, making all of the connections. So you're going to have to read through all of these texts that I've given you in your own time. And I think you'll start seeing the connection because in Hosea 11 verse 1, it is written, When Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. This, of course, is the prophecy of Balaam, one of the oracles spoken of and fulfilled in the coming of the sun, the star, the scepter, Yahushua himself, out of Egypt. So the saga of Balaam Laban, it continued while Jacob's family hid in Egypt. Because back in our Torah Parsha, according to numerous first century writings Balaam now this will bring me right into our day and right into our time listen Balaam was Pharaoh's pharmacist Balaam was Pharaoh's pharmacist and the sons of Balaam were the magicians who worked in Pharaoh's pharmacy at the court of Pharaoh, and their names were Johns and Jambres. They were the forefathers of the Magi. Are you tracking with me? Numbers chapter 22, verse 22. This is written in Targum Pseudo-Jonathan, first century. And he, Balaam, was riding on his ass and his two lads... Johns and Jambres. Now, this is in the Chronicles of Moses, which was written in late, or should I say, late 11th century. Okay, and it says, And after they, Moses and Aaron, left, Pharaoh sent and called to Balaam the magician, and Johns and Jambres, his sons, the pharmacists or the sorcerers. Now in Jasher, the book of Jasher, in the 79th chapter, in the 27th verse, it is written, Pharaoh sent for Balaam the pharmacist, the magician, and to Johns and Jambres his sons, and to all of the pharmacists, magicians, and conjurers, and counselors, which belonged to the king, and they all came and sat before the king. Now... In an ancient document called the Damascus document, in the fifth chapter and the 17th verse, it's written In days gone by, Moses and Aaron arose by the hand of the Prince of Lights, that is, the good Ruach, the Spirit, but Belial, Satan, in his cunning, raised up John's and his brother Jambres when Israel was saved for the first time. Now, when Paul speaks, to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, you're right there, aren't you? Because this was well known to the first century audience. There's also an apocryphal book called John's and Jambres that was written in the first century of the um, Common Era. Now, Pliny, Pliny in, in Histories 3011, says this, Pliny the Elder, there is also another group of magi who derive from Moses and Johns and Jambres and the Jews. Now, Philo, the historian, calls Balaam a magos, magos at life of Moses, at life of Moses, which is also his terms for the pharmacists of Pharaoh in the life of Moses. See, Johns and Jambres persuaded, think about it. Why? Did Pharaoh want to massacre the innocents? There's always the theme of the massacre of the innocents because Johns and Jambres persuaded Pharaoh to kill the children of the Israelites. They continued the attempt by Laban to kill the special son of Jacob. Now, in Pseudo, Targum Pseudo Jonathan tells us the reason why Pharaoh only targeted the male babies. In Exodus 1.15, Targo, Sudum Jonathan, it's written, and Pharaoh said that while he slept, he saw in his dream that all the land of Egypt was placed on one balance of a weighing scale. And a lamb, the young of a ewe, and on the other balance of the weighing scales and the balance of the weighing scales on which the lamb was placed and weighed down. Immediately he sent and summoned all of the magicians of Egypt and told them his dream. Immediately Johns and Jambres, the chief magicians, opened their mouths and said to Pharaoh, Listen, a son is to be born in the assembly of Israel through whom all the land of Egypt is destined to be destroyed. Therefore, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, took counsel and said to the Jewish midwives, and then you're back at the biblical text of the midwives going after the children, but actually preserving them because they knew of the prophecy. Now Josephus even goes on to say this in his writings. One of those sacred scribes, he writes, who are very sagacious in foretelling future events, truly told the king that about this time there would be a child be born to the Israelites, who, if he were reared, would bring the Egyptian dominion low and their domination would be brought down and would raise the Israelites, that he would excel all men in virtue and obtain a glory that would be remembered through all ages. Which thing was so feared by the king that according to this man's opinion, he commanded that they should cast every male child which was born to the Israelites into the river and destroy it. Now that's in Josephus Antiquities of the Jews. Now the prophecy that through this child all the land of Egypt is destined to be destroyed as in Targo, Sud, and Jonathan, as in Josephus that Egyptian domination would be brought low. This goes far beyond Moses. This is far more than Moshe accomplished because the destruction prophecy is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah in the 11th chapter, that it would be the Messiah that would utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. And this is written of in Isaiah 11. When would that happen? At the greater exodus, just as at the first... Isaiah 11 verses 15 and 16 speaks of this. This chapter is linked with the prophecy of Balaam because when Israel did leave Egypt and cross the wilderness, who did they come into contact with? Balaam waiting for them, ready to try and destroy them again. One of Balaam's prophecies included the doom and destruction of the people who hired him. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, it is written, a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall dash the corners of Moab and destroy all the sons of Seth. Now in the Septuagint, if you're still tracking with me, the messianic interpretation is alluded to by translating scepter, as a man that's in the septuagint i mean the messianic illusion is just nailed down perfectly no pun intended right nailed down perfectly so where did they get their interpretation of this prophecy well isaiah 11 it is written a shoot will proceed from the stump of jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. He will judge the poor in righteousness. He will strike the earth with the rod of his breath. This, that very text is linked to the Torah portion, Balaam. Because the Magi are Balaam, and his two sons, Johns and Jambres, they are descended from them. They were called magi by Philo in the life of Moses. They prophesied about the star which pointed to Mashiach and the child from whom he would rise. And because of this, Pharaoh ordered the death of all baby boys. So our Torah pasha ends with Balaam went off to his home in Numbers chapter 24, verse 25, just as what? The Magi went away to their own country in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, because there's the linkage. The magicians go off to their home, whether it's Balaam or whether it's the Magi. Matthew 20, um, Numbers 24, verse 25. Balaam goes off to his home. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. The Magi went away to their own country. There's the linkage. Because Matthew's writings about Herod parallel Josephus' version of the story of Pharaoh. He consulted his magicians. He expressed fear for his throne and he awed the death of the baby boys. That's what Pharaoh did. And Matthew is now relating that to Herod, because ultimately, this story, this narrative, comes from the time of Moses all the way forward to the time of Herod, and all the way forward into the final generation, because it's always been about the massacre of the innocents. But in Matthew chapter 2, in Matthew chapter 2, the shadow of the Torah truly comes to life and the child who comes out of Egypt isn't a precursor of the Mashiach like Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15, a prophet like unto you. No, it's not even an ancestor of Mashiach. But it is in fact the Mashiach himself, Yahushua, coming up out of Egypt. So what we're doing here is we're moving from Moses and the first Exodus to Messiah and the greater Exodus being fulfilled in your hearing by the massacre of the innocents in the final generation. There was the massacre of innocents proclaimed by Pharaoh under the counsel of the pharmacist Balaam and his children who worked in his pharmacy prescribing potions listen to what I just said the first narrative ties it into the last narrative linked by the middle narrative of Rachel weeping for her children Balaam the pharmacist who worked in Pharaoh's pharmacy, his sons grew up in the pharmacy prescribing potions. They counseled Pharaoh to kill the very children. Meaning, at the end of the age, at the greater exodus, right before the coming of Mashiach, there is going to be another Johns and John who was raised in a pharmacy prescribing potions. He's going to be the son of a pharmacist who's going to speak into the very ears of Pharaoh to go and massacre the inner... Who could that be? Well, let us see. Because we're moving... From prophecy to prophecy and the reference to Rachel weeping for her children in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15. You see, Jeremiah saw the death scene. Of Rachel as a prophetic one and I see the death scene of Rachel as a prophetic one too she was weeping not just because of the agony of her difficult labor but she foresaw the killing of her children as I see the foresee the killing of her children too because Matthew keeps us thinking about Balaam he just does In Matthew chapter 2, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. But he shifts to the context of Jeremiah chapter 31. And our return from all corners of the earth, verse 8. Not just from Egypt as in the past in verse 32. But we find ourselves in a new covenant being brought back from the nations. Balaam, Laban, Herod. Both killed the children of Israel in an attempt to kill the child Messiah. And in the last days, the son of a pharmacist is going to speak to Pharaoh to try and kill the children to prevent the coming of the Messiah again. And the link is even read in the traditional Passover Haggadah every year where in the Haggadah it cites Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, as Paul spoke to the Galatians, an Aramean sought to destroy my father. It's going back to this Balaam prophecy. The parallels, if you're still tracking with me, I pray you are. I'm I'm excitable about this. The parallels of the stories of Balaam Laban, they are just so blooming close, especially the wording in the Septuagint, because in the Septuagint, the words are, in fact, the Magi's words, we saw the star when it rose, Balaam's prophecy of the star which will rise out of Jacob, a deliverer would dash their enemies with his zedek scepter, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. The prophecy about Bethlehem Eprath is the site of Rachel's grave. It takes the reader back to Rachel, the origin of Laban's anger because she stole his household idols and then call my son out of Egypt reminds them of the dream when Yahweh told Jacob to escape there, even though their baby sons were killed by the sons of Balaam, Johns and Jambres. So the weeping of Rachel, when she foresaw the suffering before the greater Exodus, reminded them, and I'm going to finish here, and I pray you hear what I have to say. The weeping of Rachel when she foresaw the suffering before the greater exodus, it reminded them that the first exodus and that special child whom Balaam Laban was trying to kill was not just Moshe, but the coming of Mashiach to try and prevent his first coming, but now It's about trying to prevent his second coming with the massacre of the innocents. Just as Balaam was a pharmacist and he spoke into the ears of the king, the greatest leader, Pharaoh, and his sons, Johns and Jambres, grew up in the pharmacy. Dr. Fauci is the son of a pharmacist, just as Johns and Jambres were sons of Pharaoh's pharmacists. He grew up as a Jesuit delivering prescriptions and potions. And as a young boy, he was obsessed with World War II and eugenics, a lost generation of children. And I think, as I speak, a new load, is being directed at the children right now, isn't it? Will Rachel be weeping for her children again before the greater exodus, the final exodus that Jeremiah prophesied about in the 16th chapter? You see, the magic of the pharmacist, Johns and Jambres, has taken its ill effects on the final generation. And Rachel is weeping for her children once again. There's a lot of connections. Read the prophecy. Let's see what you got to say in the chat. That's all I've got for you now. I think I overloaded you with too much information. But if you want me to get your attention, or you want to get my attention, then redline me at Torah to the tribes, and you should pop right up let me see if I can repopulate this chat here. And I thank you for being patient. I've gone long an hour and five minutes, but I see I've still got a whole slew of you here. All right, so yes, we did have um, the broadcast was flicking in and out. Let's see. If you have a question, or a comment please put it up in the chat I got nothing let me refresh my screen here Kevin Neibling Shabbat Shalom Kevin he says Revelation twelve four, and the dragon stood before the women the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born there you go there's the connection and Balaam another word for Balaam or Balak is the destroyer, Balak the destroyer. And of course, that ties in with revelation also. Chris Warnicke says, thank you, Matthew. What about Stephen Collins' claim that the Magi were Parthians, scattered, scattered Israelites coming to check on Yehusha as their kingly bloodline? I haven't read that in um, that book, but um, that's a very, very interesting point. I don't know about that, Chris, but... Uh, I know that Stephen Collins does great work on the the scattered uh, the scattered Israel tribes, so I'd have to look into that. Well, yes, it is living well with living foods. Ask is not abortion the killing of the innocents? It's the massacre of the innocents. Well, isn't that a very timely thing that this teaching will come forth at a time just like this? Shabbat shalom, Diesel Grandpa. He says, "I can't get enough of listening to you tie all of this, this together." I always feel smarter at the end of each lesson. Definitely easy to see how it all ties together. Well, praise Yahweh that that you're able to see that because I did. It's, it's easier for me because I know what I'm going to teach, and I've been kind of plodding along through all of the prophetical scriptures and making the connections. But then my prayer is am I going to be able to communicate this clearly enough that you can make the connections too without thinking I'm just a mad Englishman rambling, rambling on. Giant Killer says, At Torah to the tribes, thank you so much for this incredible insight. There is so many dots connected here. I would have never thought the story of Balaam was so relevant to today. It is extremely relevant. And Bill Crane says, actor to the tribes, wow, you connected a bunch of key dots. You made it very clear. Well, that's encouraging to me because I was thinking I was as clear as mud, but I just kept pushing through and um, I praise you that you're still with me. Bill, thank you so much. Roger Gates says, in the end, history will be his story. It always will be his story. For sure and for certain remember to keep in touch with us at toratothetribes.com and you can go to toratothetribes.com forward slash connect and you'll find that we'll soon be having registration for Sukkot coming up so you can come and join us in Oregon and please bring your fishing pole because we have some amazing fishing at the location how many acres are we going to be at Tamra 111 acres of beautiful Oregon wilderness right on the Santiam, Santiam River. Chris Della Rosa says, You are a mad Englishman, but we love you. Well, thank you, Chris, for those encouraging words. And Roger says, Shabbat shalom from the potato state. And the potato state is Idaho, everybody. Of course, it's Idaho. Now, um, Living Well with Living Food says, since Caleb, oh, Living Well with Living Food says, since Caleb has been in jail, I have felt a lot of witchcraft coming at us. Well, yes, because that whole system is a system of Johns and Jombreys, John isn't it? Of course, of course. So lift up Living Well with Living Foods um, and pray for her brethren that do know. Living well with living foods and that situation, please, please. Um, Crystal is asking if there is hunting at Sukkot this year. Well, I don't know if we have some hunters. There is great hunting around for sure and for certain. Um, I haven't been hunting in many, many years. Anyway, I hope you made the connections. Those of you that didn't, let me give you some of the scriptures again because I threw them out there really, really quickly. Matthew chapter 2, Micah chapter 5, Hosea chapter 11, Jeremiah chapter 31. These are the Balaam prophecies. These are the connectors to the Torah portion and proceeding all the way to the birth of moses and how they went to try and slaughter the innocents then to herod and the massacre of the innocents and then the final generation the scripture that kevin niebling threw up that of course they seek to take the descendants israel in the last day in revelation chapter 12. much to ponder much to think about we live in amazing times but remember just as with balaam's prophecy they could have given him all the gold all the silver well the people we the people gave all the gold and all the silver march 9th, 1933 under fdr's the great new deal even though The bankers and the creditors to the United States Corporation have got all the gold and all the silver and there is no money. They still cannot curse you because Yahuwah's Torah is above all of their laws. It's called natural law. It is man dealing equitably with man. All they can do is try and compel you to curse yourself by moving out of blessing, surrendering and giving up all of your remedies and rights through Yahuwah and compelling you to perform under their new contracts. Then you will be cursed. So brethren, just as in the times and oracles of Balaam, Don't be compelled to perform for witchcraft and Satan's luciferic system. And if you keep that in mind, then your children won't be massacred and your descendants won't be massacred and you will leave mystery Babylon and make it into the promised land and see the coming of Mashiach. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh, give us some thumbs up if you liked this teaching and if you didn't, and give us some thumbs down, the three of you, please. But we can't even see you anymore. And remember, please, subscribe to the ministry channel. Thank you for your support. And come and check us out at TorahToTheTribes.com for a whole slew of archive teachings. And I even did a teaching on Balak many years ago that went in a little more into a different realm. So there you have it. You have it all. We'll be updating our system, so I don't know how long I'll be on this dodgy venue of the shaky camera with the nasal cam. But I hope that you got this stream and that you share it with those that you love. And be blessed. Shabbat Shalom.